Hey everybody, this is Basil here with a little pre-intro. Uh, we've got a great episode here with a, a wonderful YouTube content creator as well as uh, the leader of a few other projects uh, in the, this, this wonderful truther community or however else you want to categorize us. But um, uh, just wanted to give a little disclaimer here at the top. This particular episode involves a lot of pretty heavy subject matter as well as it's just a little bit of language, but nothing that doesn't appear in the Bible there. And so uh, I would recommend that parents listen to the episode before letting the kiddos uh, in on the party. And so there you go. All right. And that's Guns. You got anything else, Guns? I was just going to say uh, thank you for all the patient listeners of Canary Cry Radio. And just uh, a reminder that Basil and I are publishing every single week on Canary Cry News Talk. We've been keeping up with some of the things going on. So it's a separate podcast feed. So, um, you know, if, if you only pay attention to this feed and you think that we've been gone for a while, it's only because we've been publishing in other places. So just a reminder. Yes, so go check out Canary Cry News Talk on your podcatchers there. And uh, Gons, we've actually gotten we've got some uh, some plans here to have some more frequent Canary Cry radio episodes coming out. So stick around, everybody. Okay, here we go. Strap yourselves in. Get ready for the episode. Here we go. Here's a quote from one of the emails. The realtor found a handkerchief. I think it has a map that seems pizza-related. So this is one of the very strange emails that appears to be coded and which first got us curious about what on earth they were talking about. And it's from Susan Sandler to John Podesta. I'll do better playing dominoes on cheese than on pasta. Another email sent from someone from the Sandler Foundation to John Podesta in the Wikileaks email. So again, this appears to be some kind of code. I mean, would you ever say anything like this to anyone you know? Do you think I'll do better playing dominoes on cheese than on pasta? Another email, Obama spent about $65,000 flying in pizza slash dogs from Chicago for a private party at the White House. When you start thinking about this, this doesn't make any sense at all. Who on earth would fly in pizza and hot dogs from another state? Who on earth would spend $65,000 on pizza and hot dogs and why on earth would Obama be feeding his guests pizza and hot dogs? Wouldn't they have some kind of way fancier food that can be prepared by chefs and things there? And apparently they don't import food into the White House anyway because it's a security risk. All the food is prepared on site. So again, it does appear to be code words. This is Canary Cry Radio. Hey everybody and welcome to Canary Cry Radio. My name's Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 113. It finally happened. It finally we happened. 113. We, we did one more podcast and here we are. <laughs> well, you know, our guest today is Sean from SGT Report. And uh, I just wanted to bring him on because he's doing such a great job with his YouTube channel. His subscriber count has really gone up. Surpassed the Face Like the Sun YouTube channel just recently. <laughs> And uh, he's just doing awesome work with the Pizzagate 
And now we're going to expose him live on the air. <laughs> Sean, welcome to Canary Car Radio. How you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It's nice to meet you, Basil. Yeah, buddy, you too. I, I know you and Gons are uh, best buddies. You like go to the fair and stuff together, and that's real cool. Uh, I only feel slightly left out of the group, but, um, you know. Yeah, where's now, your YouTube channel? Where's your... Um, I, I don't think I've posted for about six months. Yeah, what's going on with that? I don't know. This isn't about me, though. This is about Sean. <laughs> yeah, that tends to hurt the subscri- the subscriber count when you. Do. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not very good at that. It's a little bit of momentum. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of momentum, you've been uh, been hitting it hard, and this is not uh, about your success, but more about I think your uh, your work ethic here. I'm looking at your YouTube page. And it's just uh, pretty block solid with uh, pretty important subjects here. You've done, uh, let's see, well, one, two, three, four, five, six, like seven straight videos about the Pizzagate thing, which is awesome. We've been uh, just covering it, I, I don't know, I'd say lightly for a couple episodes of uh, Canary Cry News Talk. But there's so much, and we'll talk more about Pizzagate, but um, if you guys haven't gone and uh subscribe to your channel was it sgtreport.com yeah that's right sgtreport.com is a website and then the youtube youtube channel by the same name yeah how long have you been doing this i started my youtube channel in 2010 it might even say 2009 but i didn't really post a video on there publicly until 2011 so been a few years you know there it's you go. That's, that's pretty solid yeah, it's funny though, you know, being in the truth media, Gans, Gans, you know this well. Um, Gans, when did you start your channel, by the way? 2011. Same thing, oh, see, same year. That's so interesting. Okay. So then you know as well as I do that the battle to get subscribers is sort of a long, arduous one. It's not an easy road when you're sort of doing truth media stuff, especially, you know, my area for a very long time has been and will continue to be economics, the real economy. You know, the Fed and the Mockingbirds tell us it's 5% unemployment. Meanwhile, they don't call people unemployed. They don't count them if they're no longer looking for a job because, you know, they've been without work for a year. They don't count people that are underemployed. Um, So telling the real stories about politics, precious metals, and things like that, you're not going to get those 14, 15, 16 year old subscribers that Casey Neistat, <laughs> right? You know, so it takes five years to get a hundred thousand subs. Whereas some of these people, you know, they'll start, there's, there's a, uh, there's a YouTube channel. My 10 year old boy watches. This kid has 3 million subscribers and he just bought a hundred thousand dollar car. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. And the I've kid's been... 15. <sighs> that's nuts. And yeah. what does he do? He like smashes stuff or something or, or less than that. Maybe video games. Well, actually, to this kid's credit, he actually just runs around and and does a vlog all day with his buddies. And, you know, they might do a variety of different things, but fortunately, it's not just sitting around recording a video game they're playing like that. To his credit, credit, he's he's not just sitting around. But, you know, it it is interesting that, you know, as content creators on YouTube, uh, there was a bunch of people, uh, Casey Neistat being one of them, that left and, and stopped doing the daily vlogs. And um, I can't remember the other two, but, you know, they were, they're huge, popular YouTubers that basically film their life and whatever. And it just seems like there's a psychological breaking point for some of these folks who are sharing their life, glossed over by editing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, the reason why this uh, little phenomenon of people, the, the top YouTubers stopping their daily vlogs is because it's, 
it's tough for even them to, you know, uh, create this kind of fake life on the internet. I've been thinking about starting my makeup tutorial channel. Um, (laughs) those do very well. Yeah. It's kind of the cash cow. We're getting some, uh, inside baseball here in the YouTube world for our (laughs) listeners here. So this is nice. Well, I'll give you a little inside baseball about Casey. Now, Casey, uh, was very apolitical throughout his history. And he, right. and he actually, you want to talk about a work ethic. I mean, this is a guy that when he runs, he'll run 9, 10, 11 miles, and sometimes he'll run 23. And daily, he's a runner, gets up at 5 in the morning, he's up editing till 2 in the morning, he really works on 2, 3, 4 hours of, uh, of sleep. I really respect his work ethic and his ability to tell a story. That's what made him strong. And of course, he and his brother had this nice Nystap Brothers show that I think HBO paid a million dollars for. So they, they had some success early on in the old media. And then he decided to devote his life to YouTube and just like a year or two ago started to commit himself to doing the video vlog every day, which is a feat to do what he was doing every day. Now, with that said, he made the mistake, in my opinion, after being apolitical of putting out this plead for everyone to vote for Hillary and go around all the other big YouTubers and threaten them. To, to you know, make a similar video. And so he was um, stumping for Hillary, which was very distasteful, especially for those of us who respected his channel and yet think that's an, a completely inappropriate message to be putting out there, uh, given the nature of his channel. Uh, and meanwhile, he was, he was building a, uh, an app called Beam, which he'd right. been working on, right? Uh, getting startup money from Silicon Valley investors, things like that. He just sold it to CNN for $25 million. And here's the crazy part. My understanding is that CNN isn't going to do much with it. So I, I have to dig into that a little further, but uh, $25 million to the Mockingbird Media. Yeah, uh, what I heard about that was that Casey retains all creative rights, but part of what the process will be is to bring credibility or, or just uh, trust back into mainstream media, especially for young people. And that's why they use Casey as a... Uh, kind of a launching point for CNN to try to reach out to that next generation. Yep. So it's, it's um, on the surface again. Yeah. more digging is necessary in terms of any, you know, true nefarious things going on, but on the surface, it's pretty clear that this was a, a money grab type thing, you know, buying uh, a guy who's popular, who has a huge following with young people and just trying to uh, save face for the mainstream media. But it, t- it tells us how broken their thinking is, right? I mean, they're dinosaurs, even in the way they think. To try to get in bed with Casey Neistat in some sort of scheme to appeal to younger viewers is absolutely ridiculous because the younger viewers are not watching CNN. They're not watching cable. They're on YouTube. So I'm not exactly sure how somebody as politically uninformed as Casey Neistat is going to help CNN, but apparently their short-term ridiculous thinking suggests that, oh, he was huge on uh, YouTube. We can leverage uh, his brand with our brand, and then before long, we're going to be huge with the young crowd. It's absolutely ridiculous. The old media is dying and I mean, literally, they're putting their own final nails in their coffin. BBC is out today with the saga of Pizzagate, the fake story that shows how conspiracy yeah. is spread. I mean, well, that's the, where they are. That's the biggest one, too. And everybody's reporting that. New York Times, Washington Post. We mentioned that in an episode a while back. And uh, yeah, when the article reads, uh, have you heard about Pizzagate? Well, it's not true because fake news. Everybody's else is fake. We're dope. And yeah. and that's the the whole article, mm-hmm. um, and it, it just shows a, a just a deep desperation, if you ask me, um, as far as traditional media goes. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, if you ever watch CNN, I watch it occasionally because sometimes it'll give me an idea and I'll record a little video and then I'll, I'll tell a story about how ridiculous they are or where they yeah. just are disinfo or misinformation. Uh, if you watch the commercials, they're all targeted at literally, I mean, scooter commercials for elderly people, <laughs> um, mostly drug commercials, uh, drug yeah. commercials. And the one that really kills me is the one uh, for the drug called Humera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 60 seconds long, 30 seconds of which is a disclaimer about how it may cause uh, new or worsening heart failure. Humera can lower your ability to fight infections, including tuberculosis. Serious, sometimes fatal infections and cancers, including lymphoma, have happened, as have blood, liver, and nervous system problems, serious allergic reactions, and new or worsening heart failure. Before treatment, get tested for TB. Tell your doctor if you've been to areas where certain fungal infections are common. And if you've had TB, hepatitis B, are prone to infections or have flu-like symptoms or sores, don't start Humera if you have an infection. Talk to your doctor and visit Humera.com. Lymphoma and rare for forms of cancer. And I'm thinking, oh, I should run right out and ask my doctor about Humera. That's <laughs> rare rare <laughs> forms of cancer. Yeah, it says rare. I'm not making that up. Yeah, it makes it less rare. So yeah. I guess that's a, some sort and of... And I love that line. New, new, new or worsening heart failure. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's appealing. Yeah. So... Now, I this is this is who this is who pays for CNN's propaganda. The you know medical industrial big pharma complex. Yeah, well they uh, they get a they got a bottom line based on propaganda in their own right. So you know it's a it's a valuable economy out there. Yeah, I got that right. SB what is it? SB two seven seven in California signed by Criminal Governor Jerry Brown to yeah. implement forced vaccinations. I mean, what what country is this? North Korea now they're going to force parents to vaccinate their children in California. Yeah, if you don't do it, your kids can't go to the public school. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's another good reason not to go to public school. <laughs> take, take the Bill Gates love needle. You know, just us. We're the government. Love needle. Sounds like an eighties hair band. <laughs> Love needle. Ah, nah, nah, nah. That's okay. pretty good, actually. Yeah, thank you. Um, now, a, a lot of just scrolling through your videos here, and I, I've watched a couple of them. It looks like you have done a lot of reporting, as you said, on things like the economy and and uh, things such as that. Why was that such a uh, an important thing for you to start covering in such such depth there? Well, I think we all probably wake up in different ways, and I've been saying for a while, of course, now the propaganda is so blatant that everybody's waking up, but uh, for a long time, I was convinced that had they not attempted 9-11 and, and pulled it off in the way they did and then and then lied so badly about it, uh, a lot of folks wouldn't have w w woken up, you know? I mean, right. you're talking about some of the early, early uh, awakened people getting that story out, people like David Ray Griffin, whose books I bought and read cover to cover, uh, and... Um, uh, the guy over at Architects and Engineers uh, for 911, uh, Richard Gage, who I've met, um, it, these were people who were waking up. Stephen Jones and his work into nanothermites uh, in the residue found in the dust. Uh, it, I woke up because of 9-11 and that false flag. And then when you wake up to that, you realize the powers behind the scenes are powerful banking families and central banks. And then you learn about the federal reserve and then you figure out the federal reserve was founded in 1913 by this private group of bankers, blah, blah, blah. And you wake up to this whole idea that they control it all because they print the money out of thin air. They control the machines <laughs> that make the funny money. And so that's a story you want to tell. And then you wake up to the idea of gold and silver in physical form being far more precious than even the general public knows because of the manipulation by these same banksters selling billions and billions and billions of paper ounces into the market 
sometimes on a daily basis, and I'm not making that up, sometimes $5 billion, or rather 5 billion ounces of gold sold into the market wow. in, a, in, in, in a flash to bring the price down $30. We've seen that a lot in the past few years. So you, you tell that story, and you bring experts on to tell that story, because if, if we look at what's going on in Venezuela right now, we see massive hyperinflation of the currency, and we see people absolutely losing everything. We see these people being, being turned into serfs. And for those who have a physical ounce of silver right now, I'm, I'm told, a physical one ounce of silver in Venezuela right now will buy three, four, five months of food. Wow. So wow. You, you, you can retain your wealth by getting it out of the fiat that they control, the fiat paper money. So, right. so now for, that. for those who uh, aren't uh, economy experts, experts or uh, you know, mineral geniuses, what would be the purpose of the elite selling off you know, 5 billion uh, units of gold in one day? Well, because the dollar used to be backed by gold. And if you go back to the 60s, and, you know, I'm going to say the 60s just because it was, I think, until about 64, 65, even our quarters and our dimes were made of silver right. and took the silver out of those coins. If you go back to before the founding of the Federal Reserve, you'd see on our beautiful, they were once beautiful notes that said U.S. Treasury gold certificate, U.S. Treasury silver certificate. You could literally take your $10 gold or silver certificate and go to the bank and exchange it for the metal. That's not the way it works anymore. They now say Federal Reserve note. What's a note? It's a loan. It's debt. So they issue this debt out of thin air. That's why we're $20 trillion in debt. That's why these bankers love war. Uh, my friend Mike Rivero made a wonderful video I think everybody should watch called All Wars Are Bankster Wars. All Wars Are Bankers Wars. And yeah. It's absolutely true. They love war. You know, and, and I've got a, 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 on my YouTube channel the, the featured video at the top out of all the videos I've ever done, all the interviews, million things to choose from. I have one on there I did called We Kill Each Other for Paper. And it's so true. They take us to wars for paper. We, we go to war over this stuff. We, we trade our energy and our labor. We, we trade our energy for their fiat paper that they continue to degrade by printing more and more and more and more of it. And every year it loses more value. So yeah, really passionate about it because if you have physical silver or physical gold, like we used to have in our money, you have a stable economy that can't be so easily manipulated by a small, tiny group of bankers. Right. Sure. Now, this is one thing that I've heard criticism about now, not even necessarily about the, the fact that, you know, having the physical metal is just objectively a better idea, even though you can't take it down to the Seven Eleven and get your uh, jalapeno poppers with it. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of criticism over the sort of fear mongering of the, uh, you know, basically just to sell gold and their companies, uh, selling, what are they called? Uh, bullion and gold coins and things like that. And, you know, there's certain websites that are just smothered from top to bottom with, uh, you know, gold buying and selling advertisements. And I've, I've heard it, uh, you know, we, we hear all sorts of complaints and one of them was that, you know, they, they aren't sure if, you know, investing in this gold is a good idea or if buying from these companies, is that the real way to go? And sadly, just a lot of people, there's no exposable income to get into it. 
Right. You know, as you're, as you're uh, asking this new, this question is an important question. I want to answer it. I realized they didn't really even answer your last question, which is why do they throw paper gold? Why do they want to cap the prices of gold and silver? Why would they want it to go down $30 in a day? And the reason is this, the federal reserve and the bankers see right now, still after nearly, I think it's 45 years, the average life expectancy of a paper currency, a fiat currency is 40 years. The dollar's really long in the tooth at this point. And in 1970, when Nixon took us off the gold standard, it became the petrodollar backed by oil, right? All oil trading on the face of the planet had to be done in dollars. That was a deal struck with the Saudis. Most of the other nations fell in line. If if you didn't want to fall in line, we'd invade you. So that is uh, very important. And the thing now, because uh, the dollar's been so degraded, we're $20 trillion in debt, 200-some trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities like Social Security, Medicare, etc. The dollar at this point is only backed by confidence. And the problem the Fed is now facing is that we've seen record U.S. Treasury uh, sales by the Chinese and the Russians. So now these nation states that have been holding our debt are trying to liquidate the debt as fast as they can. So just to answer your question, what is really holding up the dollar at this point is, well, of course, international fears and all the other nations are also degrading their currency and the U.S. dollar is seen as the strongest of the best of the worst. So that's why it's also got a lot of strength. But once the confidence in the dollar dies, we could see hyperinflation very quickly. And how would confidence in the dollar die? Well, if we started to see $2,000, $4,000, $5,000, $6,000, gold, it tells a very, when priced in dollars, it tells a very real story to everybody that the dollar, we need to get out of the dollar. We should be buying gold and silver. So that's why they want to cap those metals and, and quote unquote, demonetize them. Mm, that's interesting. So they're kind of controlling, I guess, the value of, of gold to keep the to keep, keep the, the dollar, confidence yeah keep Tr- the trading gold up. trading gold for confidence basically which yeah. i guess you know if if you're wise to this scheme that would be a good opportunity to uh, build up your your little gold gold supply there well um, but I agree with you, and that's what. And I try not to do fear mongering. I try to deal in facts, and the facts are: we are controlled, and our monetary system is controlled, and has been controlled since 1913 by a maniacal group of malevolent bankers who don't give a squat about us. They don't care about we the people, and. I think now we're seeing all sorts of evidence because of Pizzagate that how true that is. Not only do they not care about people, they want to victimize and hurt people. But as it, as it, as it pertains to silver and gold, here's one thing that listeners who, maybe this is all new. This is fun for me to talk about this with you guys because maybe to your audience this is all new. Here's something extremely important people need to realize. For nearly 5,000 years, there was a real-world um, gold-to-silver ratio that generally was between 10 ounces of silver to 16 ounces of silver for one ounce of gold. And that equated to the amount of silver found in the Earth's crust. So when they mine the stuff, they generally find between 10 and 15 ounces of silver for every one ounce of gold. It's very rare, and silver is used in everything. Solar panels, mirrors, remote controls. I mean, anything with circuitry has silver. It's the most conductive metal. It's very valuable from an industrial standpoint. Okay, It's also known as money throughout the world. Many nations refer to silver specifically in their language as money. And so the thing you need to understand is because of the manipulation of silver, right now the silver to gold ratio, and it's been this way for a while, is somewhere around 70, 75 ounces to one. Wow. And I interview mining executives 
all the time. I know many of these CEOs of the top mining companies like uh, Keith Newmeyer from First Majestic. I've interviewed him four or five times. Can email him anytime I want requesting an, e- uh, an interview. He'll email me back if I have a question. And he tells me that his company, First Majestic, is mining the stuff now at closer to a 9 to 1 ratio. He thinks the, the real world ratio now, because silver is becoming harder and harder to find, and there's less and less successful silver companies because they've been capping the price so long that these companies can't survive, it's 9 to 1. And right now you can go out and get for the price of one ounce of gold, which is right around $1,200 an ounce right now. For that 1200 bucks, you can buy about 75 ounces of silver. That's what you it, need to do. Is it more valu- uh, uh, valuable to own the silver or the gold? Well, I, I, if you look at the way that charts trade on a daily basis, what's really crazy about it, because the bankers have tried to demonetize silver, um, meaning that they don't want it to be considered globally as a monetary metal. The 5,000-year history, though, makes that too powerful to break. Their manipulation is not going to break the backs of people all over the world who recognize that silver is money. People in Mexico, people in India, people in China, people in Russia. So, um, But but gold is more so the monetary metal. And the bankers use gold. But I just want to say this. um, The the silver component at $16, $17 an ounce, you just, I can't, I can't overstate how much of a value that is should we see the dollar crash. Silver will protect your wealth just like gold when the dollar dies, which someday it will. And if you have physical silver and or physical gold, you're going to retain some wealth to take into whatever system they're going to force us into next. Yeah, right. that's really interesting. It's, Here's an... Um, go sorry, go, Guns. Well, I, I just had a really important question. Um, <laughs> how much gold and silver do you own and where is it buried? <laughs> <laughs> so Basil can come... Dig it up well, while you well, sleep. For, for tax purposes or in case they want to confiscate, I did lose all of my physical silver and gold in a boating accident. Not long. <laughs> well, that's so unfortunate. I'm sorry. I don't about want that. to disclose which uh, body of water that was on. I'm going to. Yeah, I, it's one of the, one I of the big ones. Located are ongoing. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. You know, I have a question about Bitcoin a little bit because I know there was a big you know, sort of a, a move for big Bitcoin. And it was, you know, a lot of rumors and stuff. And I looked into it a little bit and it was interesting. And just, you know, there's just the, the Bitcoin mining with the servers. And, um, you know, I, I, I was interested in like, Oh, how does that work? You know, how, I want to start mining for some Bitcoins. Well, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, honestly, early on, I was anti-Bitcoin because I was all about real money, physical precious metals, and Bitcoin was just another fiat currency to the degree that it's not backed by anything. It's only backed by confidence. But one interesting thing about Bitcoin is that they are going to cap the total number of Bitcoins ever made. I think it's going to be capped at 25 million Bitcoins, I think. And somewhere, I think they're around 12 million now or whatever. The halfway point was reached recently. Um, what I'll say about Bitcoin, and I, full disclosure, I now own a whopping like 1.76 Bitcoins, like less than two of them. Where is bought- your Bitcoin buried? That's <laughs> <laughs> just in the blockchain. <laughs> so I, I just I bought one like I don't know like a year ago because I just wanted to have some skin in the game in case the thing went to ten thousand, you know, in right. case it went to a million. Because literally, it, it's gone from I think below a dollar to you know, 25, 50, and then into the hundreds, it did it so quickly that 
it it just made it made me wonder what Bitcoin was all about to the degree how high can it go? And now the Chinese are apparently very interested in it and buying it, just like they're buying up everything. So uh, as far as Bitcoin goes, um, I'll say this. A guy that I've interviewed many, many, many times, I've known him for four or five years now, Andy Hoffman, at one of these companies that sells precious metals, um, he writes every day, very smart, used to be on Wall Street, was very anti-Bitcoin early on, for the same reasons I was. And then he sort of came full circle, and he said, you know what, I can make an argument for Bitcoin, because it's out of the control of these bankers, supposedly. We, we actually don't know that for sure. Who knows? The CIA, CIA may play a role with Bitcoin for all I know. But um, Bitcoin is out of the realm of the Wall Street banks. And it allows people to buy goods and services without getting killed on the take. You know how much PayPal takes every time you send somebody money? I mean, it's absolutely exorbitant. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know? Right. Uh, They'll take two, three percent, and that really adds up. If you're sending somebody, you know, payment on a job they did, and you pay them, you know, eight hundred, nine hundred thousand dollars. Anyway, the point is, is Bitcoin is outside of this global international banking conglomerate. So, to that extent, I think it's great, but I don't think it's as good as gold and silver in physical form. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. especially when Skynet uh, shuts down the internet and right. all this. That Bitcoin right. stuff disappears. Well, you wonder, and here's the thing, right now, these idiots, these bank, well, right now, these, oh, you guys get me going here, because yeah. right now, <laughs> in India, Modi just banned cash, right? He's taking the cash from the people, and the people are freaking out. So right. once they take the cash from the people, and now there's a move to do it in Australia, which is very much run like our country, and Larry Summers, who used to be involved in our government, one of these Harvard monsters uh, used to, I think, run Harvard. Larry Summers has made the argument in op-eds in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times that we need to get rid of the $100 bill uh, to prevent corruption, to curb drug trafficking. Well, that's what they always sell, the people. They try to sell you on something that sounds rational, right? Meanwhile, it's HBC, and it's the big international banks that have been caught laundering drug money and have had to pay billions in fines. Look it up. Google it. HSBC, drug money laundering. Pay to fine. Wells Fargo, drug money laundering for the Mexican cartels. Pay to fine. And then they want to take our fiat money out of our pockets so that we don't have any semblance of wealth, no representation of wealth left. And I've been making the argument recently um, to guests. I'm saying, what happens if they successfully do that? They're doing it in India now. They want to do it in Australia. If it comes here, and it comes here quicker than any of us thought it would, and the people are so stupid here that they let their fiat money be taken to curb corruption, what will they have for wealth when they turn off the ones and zeros on the computer? What we have left. I think it's a terrific way to turn us all into serfs. Yeah, well, they've certainly done a great job so far. Uh, and they're always, you know, these guys, they're always looking to do it better than their dads did. So I would not be, a, uh, you know, surprised if that happened. Um, so in regards... Say something, you hit the nail on the head there though, right? Oh yeah, keep those going, buddy. Those bloodlines, they want to do it better than their dads. That's actually very real. You remember guys when John Kerry and George Bush were running for president? They're yeah. both yep. bones and their assets flat out. Skull and bones. And you got uh, Bush Sr., head of the CIA. His father, Prescott Bush, industrialist uh, banker, with, and his buddies wanted to try to do a fascist coup of the U.S. government in the 30s, and they uh, got General Smedley Butler uh, on board to try to help him. He played along long enough to blow the whistle. Um, these people, you're right about these bloodlines, and they do want to do it better than their daddy did it, because for whatever reason, they're either psychopaths, sociopaths, sociopaths, or both. 
they've got no problem hurting people. They have no problem betraying people. They have no problem with the treachery that they're up to. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton. Look at the Clintons. The treachery is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, literal treason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, first of all, I'd like to say uh, I, I simply adore being told that I'm so smart. And then you say all this super smart stuff. So um, <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. Uh, yeah. And, and even to be fair, to, to apply the uh, the one upping daddy thing, it's pretty well known that Trump, you know, it, is in the same vein. I, I think it's just something that men and women all over the world deal with. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Clintons and the corruption all over the place. Do you have, whether politically or not, you know, you support him? What, what are your thoughts on him and his whole deal? I guess I'll just say his whole deal in regards to the economy and things like that. On Trump? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. I I, here's the thing I, I found uh, in the truth media space in which I'm the people I deal with um, most often, there was a division between those who believed Trump was just part of, he's a puppet, just like Hillary. He's playing his role and that any of us who wanted to talk about him favorably over her were just dupes. And the best yeah. thing people could do is not vote because you're a fool. If you vote, you're being duped. And the argument I made consistently was we know who Hillary Clinton is. We know who supports her. Soros, Rothschild, friends with Lady Rothschild. Um, multiple fundraisers were, were held for Hillary by uh, Lady Rothschild. $100,000 plate fundraisers. Um, WikiLeaks emails showing their correspondence, how much they love each other back and forth. And the Rothschilds are the founding family of our central bank, the Federal Reserve. So we know what we're going to get with her. We're going to get Clinton Foundation, uh, Haiti child trafficking, and you know, twelve billion dollars missing from Haiti, from the Clinton Foundation's money for Haiti that was donated by people all over the world after that devastating earthquake. And right. the corruption there is so bad that literally every day in New York City there are Haitian people picketing outside of the Clinton Foundation asking where their money is because nothing got built. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Then she commits perjury in front of Congress. All I was saying about Trump is that if we listen to what the man is saying, and then I'd play the sound bites, it sounded a whole lot better than anything she was saying because she had no platform. She couldn't say anything. She couldn't really talk about the economy. She couldn't really talk about bringing jobs back or making companies stay. She couldn't really talk about not supporting the uh, TPP because she secretly does support it. And her emails showed at banking speeches that people like Goldman Sachs, she would say, I have a public platform and a private platform. Right. I have a public position and a private position, meaning I'm duplicitous and I will tell people what they want to hear so I can get elected and then I will do what you want me to do. So right. she's completely corrupt to the core, so is her husband, and that's why I was pro-Trump because I just firmly believe that if that witch got back into the White House, she would... You realize the last time they were in the White House, they were stealing the furniture when they left? Yeah. <laughs> I was making the joke the reason she wanted to get in there so bad is because there were some nice pieces she left back. They didn't get everything. Yes, certainly. And, and yeah, I mean, the, I think a, a, many of our listeners are Trump supporters and many of our listeners are the, uh, don't vote people. And, and like I've mentioned before, we actually surprisingly have some Hillary supporters. Um, I, I commend them for sticking it out in uncomfortable conversations. Um, but as far as, you know, cause Trump's supposed to be a billionaire guy and he's a big old economy fella. And we talk about, you know, the, the big elite bankers and things like that. Um, it, it, at least as far as what we're talking about with the economy and, 
what is what role does he play? What can he do about it? Is he, you know, does he have a bunch of gold? I mean, every time he appears on stage, he's got like uh, mountains of, uh, you know, gold bars to kind of represent. That's kind of his thing. That's his branding. He's got some good branding. Um, but what do you think he thinks about all this uh, gold and silver stuff? Well, all right, a couple things. Um, and this is not an advertisement for this precious metals company I'm going to mention because I, I don't buy from them as often or rarely ever. In fact, I buy from a couple others. But he did take payment for uh, the down payment on a lease, apparently, from this company called Apmex uh, in a $100,000, a couple of gold bars. Uh, and that was a big public thing. I think it was a publicity stunt for them. I mean, that's how smart he is. He's like, well, why don't you pay me the first 100000 in gold and then we'll do a big story. That's exactly what they did. So um, the one thing I'll say about him is it also pertains to gold is that clearly his decorating taste is <laughs> way, way, way far away from tasteful. I, I just, hey, uh, I, I kind of like it. I'm, I'm oh my. <laughs> gilded, gold plated, everything. It's just repulsive in my opinion. It's just not my cup of tea. It's very gouty. But um, as far as the economy goes, you know, if he does the things he said he would do, then it could be good for Americans. And, and, you know, the middle class has been absolutely destroyed by Obamacare. In the state in which I live, Minnesota, Minsure, which is the Obamacare exchange, is raising rates 60% this year. Wow. Next year, 60%. And this is on top of rate, uh, rate hikes that people already can't afford. So they're literally pricing people out of the ability to get uh, insurance. And yet they're saying, if you don't get the insurance, we're going to tax you. We're going to fine you through the IRS, whatever. So, Obamacare's hopelessly broken. He's promised to try to dismantle it and fix it in some way. I don't know if he can do it. Um, he's promised to try to convince companies to stay here instead of farming their, their uh, uh, factories out to places like Mexico, China, and other places to get the cheap labor and then bring this, the goods back here without paying a tariff. And what he's saying is, fine, if you want to do that, go do it. But you're going to pay a 30% tariff on these goods when they come back in because we can't let you go pay people a dollar an hour. 50 cents an hour, put Americans out of work, and then you bring the goods back, and you saved all this money in making these goods, so you get all these larger profits, and then you expect us as Americans to buy your products. He's just been very vocal about that, and it's long overdue, because nothing was going to change with Hillary Clinton as far as that goes, because we live in a corporatocracy, a fascist corporatocracy, you know, and fascism is defined as when corporations and politicians are in bed together and, and control the government. I mean, that's how Mussolini, Mussolini defined it. This is a fascist corporatocracy. Um, look at the FDA with the revolving door with these drug company heads at the FDA, Monsanto heads at the FDA. I mean, it's this revolving door. They go from green lighting all of this toxic you know, vaccines and GMOs, and then they go right back to the company they once worked for. That's fascism. And I don't know if he can fix it. I'll tell you this. I'm disappointed in his um, appointment of a secretary of uh, treasury. Apparently, he had the choice of a guy who was very pro-gold, gold-backed dollar, um, back to the fundamentals. He had, And I don't know the man. I can't remember his name. Uh, and he had a choice. He had multiple choices, of course. But the guy he picked was a Goldman Sachs guy. A guy who had yeah. been Goldman Sachs for 17 years. So to me, that just sounds like more of the same in terms of the treasury and the way we're going to run the funny money. Right. right. I was, I was going to say, do you, do you, can you even imagine a world where the, the federal reserve is uh, taken care of? No, and I can't. And, you know, Ron, I was a Ron Paul guy. I guess I should have said that. I mean, just people understand my politics. I was very much a Ron Paul guy and I was very, trying very hard to educate other just hardcore people on the right that identified themselves as Republicans about Ron Paul. And I just kept hearing, especially from people uh, that are sort of that. 
fifties and sixties year old age group. Um, you know, I had this boss, I liked her a lot. She's real smart. She'd say, but he's just, he just doesn't have any charisma. And I'm like, <laughs> no, nah, it's just, if you listen to what he said and if you understood what he stands for, you'd see him as Thomas Jefferson. You'd right. see all the charisma in the world. But if you're going to look for Kennedy, so that's why you're going to like Mitt Romney because of the way he looks. You're making a, a fatal error here. I'm telling you, this is our last chance. This guy's like Thomas Jefferson. Listen to what he's saying. Look at his constitutional voting record, which was like near perfect for 20, 30 years. So that's what I don't understand. And what I have such a hard time about is with is people who will not break their conditioning uh, and will not be intellectually honest. I had to be intellectually honest about Cheney being a demon and George Bush and the cover up and Rumsfeld being an absolute demon. Um, and what went down on nine 11, I had to be intellectually honest that the people who I thought had the best interests of our country at heart, because I thought I was a Republican didn't. And people now on the left who identify with Hillary Clinton or, or Barack Obama need to be intellectually honest about what these people are doing, what they have done, what, what level of corruption are you willing to stand for? Before you stand up and say, these people don't represent me. That's what the Trump thing was all about, is it was a big F you to the establishment for a lot of folks, especially the middle class, who've been getting raked over the coals forever. Right. It's them saying, we don't trust Hillary Clinton. We don't, we don't trust Ted Cruz or any of the other Republican puppets you want to give us like Jeb Bush either. Right. So that's what that was all about. And thank He's, God. I mean, because you know what they wanted to give us, you guys? You know what that ticket, the dream ticket, the, the Rockefeller Rothschild dream ticket? Would have been a Hillary Clinton Jeb Bush ticket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more of the same. Right, and, and you know I, I've expressed that sentiment that obviously between the it's it's kind of like the the lesser of two evils argument, which I can flip and say who can do the most good and, and look at it that way. It's the same argument, but you know one of the things you mentioned earlier was that these bankers they love war, and I believe Trump is quoted as saying that he loves war as well. Um, and I know he meant it in a different context, maybe, but he did say, I love war if done correctly or something along those lines. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but you know, uh, and again, disappointment of, uh, uh, of a Goldman Sachs guy for, you know, do you think that there, there's actually going to be change or do you, do you think, you know, in terms of like Obamacare and, and the health care, I think there will be some improvements or at least uh, an attempt to make things a little bit better because it's, it's out of control. But in terms of uh, looking at it from more of a, a geopolitical perspective in you know connection to the economics, what do you see there in terms of war? Because he, one of the things that I'm realizing, and this I'm actually making a video on it as we speak here, on, and uh, I see Trump as obviously a, a positive in terms of a, a better option than Hillary, and that would have gone down, like you said, just straight down that new world order path, no problem. Uh, now they have a little obstacle. But at the same time, he can still help assist the greater New World Order agenda. Right. And, and because of the, you know, the idea of him destroying ISIS. And, you know, he's had speeches where, oh, I'm going to bomb the, you know, S out of him. And, and you know, just very provocative, very uh, boastful in terms of what he's going to do with war. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts there as it ties back to the economy? The ISIS thing is so important, and while you were talking, I just wanted to jot down a note so I didn't forget. I was going to say, um, 
he has not, as we're having this conversation, he has not yet named his Secretary of State. Uh, and people are very upset that Mitt Romney's name is in the running. And Mitt Romney will bring us exactly what John Kerry brought us, in my opinion. And uh, John Kerry is very much in the pocket of this international banking conglomerate, the Zionism, whatever. Uh, and John Kerry and the Department, State Department, um, don't want to bomb ISIS because this government built ISIS. Right. The CIA, the Pentagon armed ISIS, built ISIS, um, essentially renamed Al Qaeda ISIS for this, you know, really sake of propaganda. But uh, ISIS is a creation of the West. And anybody who wants to dispute that or read more about it should go to Global Research and read the articles by Michelle Chosodesky, uh, Chosodesky proving this so. This is documented. And what I was buoyed by when Trump was talking about working with Putin and defeating ISIS is that that is exactly the conversation that John Kerry or Hillary Clinton would not have with Putin. They didn't want Putin. See, here's what happened with Putin as it relates to ISIS. Putin watched what we, what this com- country did to Libya, watched what this country did to Iraq, watched what's going on in Afghanistan. By, Afghanistan, by the way, Huge heroin problem now in this country. And before 9-11, before this country went into Afghanistan, poppy production was at an all-time low under the Taliban. It is now skyrocketing skyrocketing every year, and it's hitting new all-time highs every single year. And now we have a heroin problem in this country. Can anybody put two and two together? Does anybody remember CIA bringing in drugs uh, during the Vietnam War? Okay. So this deep state that Peter Dale Scott talks about is very, very real. And the question has been, does the deep state control Trump or not? Because we know the deep state controlled Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, and the rest of them. Deep state. I like that. I don't, I don't know if the deep state controls Trump. I don't think it does. I hope it doesn't. I think there's a, a faction. There's two factions at war here. It's this old world faction and this Trump faction, which I'm not saying is not part of the New World Order or going to take us there. He might he might represent the New World Order in a silk shirt. But there's two factions fighting here, and the Hillary Clinton Zionist faction at least temporarily got defeated. So, to answer your question, what is he going to do about ISIS? Hopefully he will do what Hillary Clinton and John Kerry don't want done, which is actually bomb the people that this government has armed, called ISIS, because that's what Putin was trying to do. And that's why John Kerry has threatened to go to a uh, air war, uh, try to imp- impose a, a no-fly zone right. in Syria to try to protect these ISIS rebels that this, um, that this government has armed that Putin wants to defeat. So if Trump and Putin actually have a dialogue, whereas Hillary the Witch Clinton, if she would have gotten into office, it would have been more of the same. Threats, threats, threats. Never pick up a phone and talk. No no diplomacy whatsoever. Just endless threats taking the world to the you know, verge of World War III. So my big thing about Trump is maybe he just pulled us back from the brink of World War III for a bit longer. And if he's for real, maybe he pulls us way, way back and we don't have to have a nuclear exchange. Because that's where we're headed, right? That's where we're headed. If you look at what NATO's doing, NATO's been surrounding, breaking all sorts of treaties, surrounding um, uh, Russia, um, trying to roll out what they're calling defensive weapons. They want to put in these um, missiles all around Russia in our allied bases in these allied countries, uh, under the guise, uh, what they say publicly is that uh, these are defensive weapons in case Russia ever wants to do a first strike against us. And Putin makes the point, how would anybody know if they're defensive or offense? They could easily be offensive weapons, and then your first strike against us would be successful because you're five minutes away. 
a missile is a missile and that's uh it's yeah. not semantics you can't really get around so, yeah so nato's surrounded so i'm just saying this world war three because he get this trump has been saying we need to dismantle nato do you know how nobody says that nobody, <laughs> none of these deep state uh candidates could ever say that they would not say it they can't say it they wouldn't say it because that's not what the new world order is that's not what the new world order wants right right to Say that is very important, and if he wants to partner with Putin as opposed to antagonize Putin, that's a good thing. Right, and, and you know, I've I've maintained that uh, perhaps this is an opportunity, a window of time um, to do some good and and maybe reverse sort of uh, the the direction we were headed. Uh, nevertheless, you know, as kind of a you know a truth person or whatever you want to call it, uh, we, we got to keep our guard up and not just be blind Trump supporters. And I see a lot of that as well. And um, you know, I, I've noticed a and. Tell me if you agree with this or not, but it's uh, it, I've seen a very systematic, not maybe not systematic is the proper word, but uh, a re-establishing of the Republican uh, right with this whole new alt media thing, and it was birthed out of this, all the sentiments you know that you're expressing that that this global elite faction you know needs to stop because they're bringing us to war. They're obviously you know. Uh, corrupt to the core and there's all the evidence for it they're above the law so no one's getting indicted or, or even you know looked at for their crimes and at the same time it feels like you know uh, the republican party is has been redesigned it's re-upped itself i think they're they're trying to you know instill some of the the same old cronies uh like the neocon and types um into into the trump office and i think maybe that's where we're seeing some of these names pop up um but, you know, it, the other part of it that's really interesting to me is that they've created this almost like a religious war. And and all the Satanism that's being exposed, it's pretty obvious to me. It's like, obviously, it's not a good thing. Like, any rational person, uh, I like the way you put it, Sean, anyone <laughs> wired correctly <laughs> in the head would not be sitting there going, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, child trafficking, you know, stealing, or you know, all that spirit cooking all that stuff we talked about yeah that's not normal stuff that's not stuff that you know it's not just a preference of taste there's something deeper going on at the same time trump really rallied the christian crowd the, the evangelicals supported him you know he had this whole story that the james dobson saying he's converted to christ and all this and there seems to be this uh god versus satan narrative that's emerging which i find fascinating and I, I find, you know, intriguing because it it, it rallies sort of uh, not just the Christians, but really the Christian truth community. If you look at what Trump did, Trump appealed to the truth, the truth community, right? Or, or I mean, I, I suppose to, to some of them, I, uh, like you mentioned, there's a split, uh, more division caused uh, within because of his uh, his campaign. But in effect, he he sort of co-opted or he sort of appealed to that truth community. And then he really got the support of evangelicals, right? So basically he created a Christian truth community with the Republican Party. And to me, that's kind of disturbing. But, you know, uh, and, and I guess it ties into, um, and I wanted to transition into the Pizzagate stuff because we're, you know, we're limited on time. But what do you think? I mean, do you think while there might be some good to come out of it, uh, do you have any concerns in terms of where the Trump presidency might ultimately take us? And I, and I say that because just recently I saw, and this is not necessarily a reflection of Trump, this is more of a reflection of the alt media, but there's a clip that I'm 
putting in my video that I'm working on that is Alex Jones, who, um, you know, he, he was the guy that got into Bohemian Grove. He's exposing the, the 9-11 thing. He's exposing the corrupt government. And I will maintain that even though it seems kind of weird, I, his news outlets will still be better than, like, you're, you're going to get much more accurate information from InfoWars than you are from CNN. I mean, that's just the bottom line fact. Right. But he was on, uh, in one of his videos a couple weeks ago, he started going off about how we're building the new Atlantis. You know, go study Francis Bacon. And, and, you know, all this stuff. And he's, he started saying, we're going to, I want life extension. I want my progeny to go to the stars. And I, and I, I kind of, it kind of took me back, you know, cause I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You're the guy that said the elite in, in the film Endgame, you said the elite, this, they have a promise. They have this ancient hope that they've been working towards. And that, you know, the idea is to use implantable technologies to, uh, go to the stars and conquer nature and all this stuff, life extension. Mm-hmm. And you're exposing all that. And now all of a sudden, you, because you're on the winning team, you're promoting it. And I thought that was very bizarre, very strange. And, uh, you know, of course you put Trump at the kind of the head of the, the whole thing there and says, he's just one faction of it. You know, he just represents this, this new, uh, new process. And he literally says, we're building a new world. And I'm, I just couldn't help myself. I thought, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. You're the guy that was exposing all this stuff. And now that you're kind of in this place of influence, and now we're creating a new world. So yeah. I don't know. I, I just tend to maybe be a little bit cynical about things, but um, I'm just trying to stay a little more balanced. But at the same time, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think. Uh, I'm cynical too. No, I'm cynical too. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the minute these people, like Alex Jones and. Anybody else that wants to start promoting transhumanism and uh, and telling us that that's our future, um, we, we know what side they're on. And uh, but I think that's where we're headed. I, unfortunately, I think it's unstoppable. And it's you could probably shed light on why it's biblical, even um, part of prophecy, perhaps. But uh, I'll say this: what concerns me, and in full disclosure, on Trump is that I don't know if he's a Zionist. So yep. that's a loaded word, and a lot of people don't know what that means. Um, I think uh, the best way to say uh, um, what what is a Zionist? Um, a Zionist is somebody who adheres to an ideology, and it isn't necessarily all part. You don't have to be Jewish to be a Zionist. Okay, right. so we have Joe Biden on on tape uh, saying, "I'm a Zionist. I'm proud of it." So this group of Zionists and neocons uh, has an agenda. And it's sort of this, well, it's a multifaceted faceted agenda, which includes um, destroying the, the Middle East and conquering the Middle East. And uh, Zygmunt Brzezinski and his grand chessboard uh, talked about that specific, specifically. Those plans were essentially uh, implemented after 9-11. And you'll notice that ISIS never attacks Israel. You know, you'll notice that we continue to go to wars with all of Israel's enemies. And I'm not anti-Israel. I just happen to know about the Balfour Declaration and the Rothschild's hand in recreating the state of Israel when they did. In, what was it, 1948? 1948, yep. So, I happen to know that history. The evangelicals don't. They just know what they believe. They've been told about the Bible and Israel. They're the chosen people and the the great war, the world, the final war is going to start in Israel. All her enemies attack her and we need to be Israel's you know, um, allies to the bitter end. Right. Fine. 
I think they have it wrong. I think we've been manipulated, and I think that part of prophecy has been manipulated by the Rothschilds and Israel, and I think that they have these evangelicals whipsawed, and, and they can just be used as a tool because they don't understand the history. So as it relates to Trump, I'm going to read this to you from Henry Maycow. Um, this is not he who wrote this. It's a different author who wrote, Trump so, so far has proven to be little more than a Zionist agent. He quickly backtracked on a campaign promise to be even-handed on the Palestinians and promised to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. He pretended that the Muslims cheered 9-11 when everyone knows that it was Israeli Mossad agents that were arrested for this, and that's a fact. That's a hardcore fact about 9-11 people need to know. Israeli Mossad agents were on the ground videotaping the planes as they hit, and when they were returned some 68 days or 72 days later to Israel, they went on an Israeli talk show and said, we were there to document the event. Right. How would they be there to document the event if they didn't have foreknowledge? Yeah. So... Is Trump a Zionist? There's a picture right here of him in his, you know, gilded gold penthouse there in Trump uh, Plaza, Trump Building, whatever that thing's called, uh, Trump Tower, uh, shaking hands with Bibi Netanyahu. Yeah. So I don't know if he's a Zionist and if he's going to do the bidding of Israel, because if he is, then we're going to get more of the same, and these wars are never going to end. Yeah, and that's right. that's really interesting. You point that out because Trump has also been recorded, and and this is on I think nine eleven or maybe the day after very suspicious of what happened to the towers. He was one of the first people that I think maybe went on record and said there, you know, uh, yeah. he understood how the building was constructed. So the fact that he came out and said, there had to be bombs in the building. Right. right? Yeah. He, yeah. So had, you can't bring these things down otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and if, you know, if there is that tie in with uh, Netanyahu and the Zionist regime, then uh, that'll be interesting how that unfolds, how he uses the, the truth narrative again to sort of co-op that crowd. But uh, I, I think it's, it's um. This is a good segue into all the Pizzagate stuff because. Well, oh, sorry. You have something to say there? Yes, I was going to say before we we uh, shift subjects here. I do want to get your just personal point of view. I mean, yeah, you said yourself you're a cynical guy. Obviously, that is a pretty normal viewpoint when you start to uh, educate yourself on a lot of these situations. Um, I mean, as far as the future of the economy, as far as the future of the control of uh, the elite bankers, as far as the country is concerned with the politics and the uh, international, you know, foreign policies, uh, do you see any good future, uh, at least in our lifetime? Is there, uh, what can the average man uh, expect? Is there something to be done. I mean, of course, we can all pick up our pitchforks and, uh, you know, go meet up in the square and start walking down streets and stuff. But, you know, I think history has showed us that uh, that doesn't quite work out too well. Is there a future where you can um, see a positive outcome in our lifetime? Sure. I mean, I think so. I, you know, I am concerned about transhumanism and all those things that Gans knows a lot more about than I do, and he's done documentaries on a lot of this stuff. But I think that um, this beast system that they want to move us toward was going to come very, very quickly under Hillary Clinton in the in the absolute corruption. I mean, notice Loretta Lynch uh, would. I mean, it's just endless corruption. Loretta Lynch. Um, uh, as the at the head of the as sorry, uh, as the head uh, of the Department of Justice, not willing to do anything, um, visiting with Bill Clinton on the tarmac while she was under investigation, the FBI saying, "Oh, here's all her crimes," and yes, she had classified emails and this and yes, and she did this and it was blah blah, and then but we're going to let her off because we don't see intent. 
it was just going to be more of that, and I think they're going to get us moving towards this B system quicker than than now. And I think that we have an opportunity here to help this awakening that we all three of us have, are awake and we all speak the same language. A lot of the people we know, our friends, neighbors, and colleagues, I like to say, don't speak this language. They don't know about this stuff. They don't know about the Federal Reserve being private. They don't know about the Rothschilds supporting Hillary. They don't know the Rothschilds are behind the, the central bank. Um, but here's one of the things that I do worry about, and I want to say this before I forget. I cite this often in my interviews. In 1988, the Rothschild-controlled Economist magazine put on their cover an image of a phoenix rising from a burning pile of fiat dollars. And around the phoenix's neck was a gold medallion. Emblazoned on it was the year 2018. The cover said, get ready for a world currency. That was almost 30 years ago. That family still has a tremendous amount of power, still owns that magazine, Evelyn de Rothschild used to sit on the board for more than a decade. And we are now less than two years away from their roadmap to a world currency. What does that mean for the dollar? What does that mean for this B system? What does it mean for taking all our money and putting it on a chip? What does it mean for our friends, neighbors, and colleagues falling for the lie that they need to get the chip embedded under their skin because life will be so much more convenient when money's digital? We need to wake people up to the potentiality and inevitability of that if it's not stopped, because that is the plan. That's where they want to take us. Do I have hope? Yeah, I got more hope than I did prior to November 8th, because the witch didn't get in. So, but it's, it's, it's thin hope. It's thin hope for our nation in terms of our sovereign nation, but he's promising. He, one of the clips I played a lot from him, and I wish I had it queued up for you right now. I can find it um, if I tried uh, hard enough, but it would take us uh, offline. He said the, the nation state is the secret to happiness and liberty. The nation state is the protector of our liberties. He talked about that, and he's right, because what these the enemies of him want globalization. They want one world government. So I think we have a chance, and I am more hopeful now than I was prior to November 8th. No, no, hope that answers your question. Hey, well, hey, there you go. There's some, uh, there's some hopeful stuff there. And I'm again, about the dollar. I am. I'm concerned about the dollar because if they yeah. get a world currency, well, then we already are under a, a, a quasi global governmental control by banksters who well, that, that currency that will certainly control uh, many aspects of life at that point. And uh, you know, I'd like to ask a couple more things about the currency, but we should, we should move on in the pizza gate thing. while we got some time, but you know, I'm trying to imagine a world where I invest uh, a bunch of money. I get some uh, metals, got some precious metals, bury them in my treasure chest out in front of my apartment here. Um, and then uh, we do go to a cashless society or a one currency global system. Uh, I mean, uh, just for the, the layman out there, what's the plan then? Do I just sell the silver and the gold and now I'm good? It's an excellent question. And, uh, you know, none of us know exactly what's coming. What has been predicted by John Williams at Shadow Stats for a very long time, and he thought it would start happening in 2015, 2016, would be a hyperinflation of the dollar. The destruction of the dollar will be a cataclysmic event, the likes of which none of us have ever experienced in this lifetime. If you want to know what hyperinflation looks like, go to Venezuela right now. Those people are getting killed. Their currency is losing its value sometimes 15% in one day. They're suffering from hyperinflation that is going to exceed 1,000% this year. They can't afford to buy food. They can't afford to buy toilet paper. The death of a currency 
is a seismic event in the lives of anyone who has to live through it. That day, I think, is potentially coming for us unless the World Bank and the Bank of International Settlements and these bankers get together and concoct some sort of scheme, which they already sort of have. It's called the SDR. It's a basket of currencies of which the dollar is a part. There is already a banker's currency, a new currency. It's called the SDR, Special Depository Receipt, I think it stands for. And they trade these SDRs between themselves. The rest of us still have the currency that we have in our pocket. I'm not convinced that we're going to have this dollar that's in our pocket now for another 45 years. It's no longer backed by gold. Russia and China want nothing to do with it. Uh, We're $20 trillion in debt. The people that used to hold it, the nations that used to hold our debt are selling our debt. What does it look like when the dollar dies? The best way to answer your question is any precious metals you have will be wealth in whatever's coming next. Because the banks, the central banks around the world hold gold. China and Russia are hoarding gold as fast as they, as they can. Um, we don't, you know there hasn't been an audit of Fort Knox since 1956? They don't want you to know it's in Fort Knox because maybe nothing's there to back the dollar anymore at all. I mean, even the 8,000 tons of gold that we're supposed to have. So I think that the 2018 prediction of get ready for a world currency that appeared on the 1988 cover of The Economist is something people should look at and consider. And people should consider what does hyperinflation look like if all you have is dollars. Uh, I think that's the best way to answer your question: is any physical precious metals you have, even at, let's say let's say you could let's say you could sock away. Well, I don't. I don't want to put a number on it, but any precious metals you have will be wealth in whatever's coming because these fiat dollars can just be evaporated evaporated away by hyperinflation. It's the best there way to go. answer the question. I don't know what's coming, but I know that physical precious metals are real tangible wealth. And right now, there's so much paper out there. Even on the comics, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 ounces of paper gold for every one ounce of gold in the of physical gold in the in the vault. So oh, man, it's even it's even there's a Ponzi scheme even on these exchanges like the comics and the LBMA. Right. So, well, that's that's thing, satisfactory to me. <laughs> when it unravels, it's going to be ugly. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess the warnings, the the doom and gloom warnings, maybe one day will come true. And and uh, I wanted to again, we, let's transition into the PizzaGate thing. But there was a, there was a good setup that I had earlier that uh, the Basil threw me off, and and now it's just uh, Basil. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Not a big deal. Um, I think I think the angle I was trying to work was that we were talking kind of about these global sort of uh, factions and and how they work, and um, specifically with uh, with we were talking about Israel and Zionism. And I wanted to take a little scenic route to the Pizzagate stuff, which is that um, a lot of the mystical uh, Judaic uh, belief systems that comes out of Kabbalah and uh, some of the more, um, even the darker side of Kabbalah and that sort of belief system, um, it is the same thing as Satanism. And, And there are practices that they do that they feel gain energy from youth and this is all documented stuff that they've published uh that's why you know ritual sex magic and everything is a big deal the crowley sort of perspective mm-hmm. and um and and so there's a tie in there where these global leaders uh people that have access to the levers of society these people that have uh, or their bankers their uh, politicians their you know all kinds of uh, elite members of society they seem to have a uh, a preference of um activity that 
is coming to light here that, uh, you know, the mainstream has called just a conspiracy theory, fake news nonsense. But those people doing the digging, which you have done uh, quite well, I've been really, uh, I've really appreciated your channel about this Pizzagate thing because you've kind of kept it level headed. You've published facts. You know, you're not really trying to sway opinion. Um, I had, uh, I had a couple videos on it, which um, I took a very, interesting approach with it with the whole ninja turtle thing and i got a little bit of backlash which is fine i expected that what i thought was interesting though was and maybe this is just a tags thing for me but my videos which talked about pizzagate and teenage mutant ninja turtles has been topping the youtube pizzagate trend thing for some reason do you think they like tried to do that on purpose because it looks ridiculous uh i don't know but I don't think your video is ridiculous yeah i know once you click it and you listen to it and you watch it you kind of it's not as ridiculous but i know that on the surface it looks ridiculous i mean you have all these pictures of uh as the icons of the videos you know you have the pizzagate stuff or a picture of satan you have you know um just you know a picture comment ping pong or or john podesta or all this stuff and then here's mine with with michelangelo and a pizza uh but the, the topic most people and i've been posting a lot of stuff on facebook and the response is people just can't even handle it they're like i can't i can't even talk about it this is just makes me so mad it makes me so angry i'm so disgusted and um, to be honest with you, there had been a couple times where I went down some rabbit trails on stuff, on research that I haven't really published yet or anything, but I've been looking at some different angles. And um, there was like, literally a couple times where I had to stop because I literally felt like I was going to throw up. <laughs> so this is a very difficult subject to wade through. But uh, share with us some of the things that you have found. Um, again, nothing has been, there hasn't been this, a real smoking gun thing that can get uh, individuals basically arrested. I mean, well, that's arguable. I would say there is enough evidence that there should be some things looked into. Uh, but again, you know, the FBI, CIA, maybe those folks are involved in this, which makes it right. difficult to uh, get those guys to uh, expose it. But uh, share with us some of the things you found, all the facts. Okay. You know, one of the things I want to say right off the bat is there are some excellent channels out there on YouTube uh, doing great work. And what they're doing is they're reporting the work done by anonymous volunteers on Reddit and 4chan, right? So, one of the channels that is doing a really good job is Re- Reality Calls. And so I just want yeah. to call her out with a credit. So just to kick this thing off, I find it extremely amusing that this article came out five hours ago. Of course, now we've been talking for an hour, six hours ago, um, from the BBC. Well, who in the article is called The Saga of Pizzagate, the fake story that shows how conspiracy theories spread? Who worked for the BBC for decades? None other than... The, one of the most famous pedophiles that ever lived, Jimmy Savile, who was a necrophiliac and a known pedophile. And I can play the soundbite for you here in a minute uh, that Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols tried to spine, uh, uh, call out and, and point the finger at and say, this guy's up to no good. And, uh, he, and Johnny Rotten was banned from uh, the BBC for some years. That's right. So the price. So the saga of Pizzagate. You know what they say in this thing? I'll just read the first paragraph. No victim has come forward. Okay. They're children. We're talking about sex trafficking and child pedophilia. We're talking about the 33 kids uh, caught at the border uh, in Haiti um, and Laura Silsby, a known, uh, now a known, a known person connected to Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation involved in trying to get smuggle 33 kids out of Haiti. Okay, these weren't orphans. She claimed they were orphans. These were kids separated from their parents during the chaos of the, of the earthquake. All right, then this, this ridiculous article goes on to say, there's no investigation. 
not by the authorities that we know of. No, not by the establishment, not right. by the same FBI that wouldn't indict Hillary Clinton for her crimes. But there's a hell of an investigation going on uh, on Reddit and 4chan and YouTube and in the truth community. It's the most it's one of the biggest trending stories of the year. And then it says in physical evidence. That doesn't exist either. All right, well, how about the circumstantial evidence then? How about the John Podesta WikiLeaks emails? John Podesta being Hillary Clinton's campaign manager and the former chief of staff for Bill Clinton. Very powerful guy. Volunteers on Reddit and 4chan dug in, and what did they find? They found the spirit cooking email between Marina Abramovic and John Podesta, her inviting him to a party wondering if he'll be there. People dug into spirit cooking. What, what is spirit cooking? Who is Marina? Hardcore occultist, appears to be a Satanist, into all measure of, of, of absolute horrors. And uh, you guys can Google this. You can see this at VigilantCitizen.com. You'll see an image of Marina Abramovic on the cover of the Vogue Ukraine edition, all decked out in red devilish outfit with the appropriate devil makeup to go along with it, and standing in front of her, and she's embracing a little girl wearing the same exact red outfit, looking quite demonic. And, uh, and then in the spread, you see Marina, uh, who's being called a performance artist. Uh, by the way, did you know that she's almost 70 years old? Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. yeah. So you think of the blood rituals that she's invest- uh, involved in, and their belief that the blood of young children can give them longevity and, and energy? Oh, there you She's go. pushing 70, man. Wow. It's unbelievable. And um, so inside the magazine uh, of the Vogue magazine, Ukraine edition, you will see uh, many disturbing images of her, one of which is her standing with uh, an occultist uh, hand gesture or pose. And in front of her is what can best be described as is the type of uh, slab or table you'd see in a coroner's office with a model that appears is playing dead. And on the model's body uh, are are the organs she's been disemboweled. And so that's part of this performance art, uh, apparently. So researchers really dug into the spirit cooking. What is spirit cooking? Well, then we find out that Tony Podesta and the Podesta brothers, um, a lot of these people, uh, have been involved with, um, Marina Abramovic and she, at these spirit cooking meals, she typically will do these cakes that look like human bodies and they're very convincing they look like nude human bodies and they're typically there's one image that's quite powerful of what appears to be this body um sitting in this liquid that is probably chocolate sauce but it looks like that dark reddish dried blood look and what they do at these spirit parties is they cut into the bodies and they consume the cake and they typically will start at the heart and then they'll do the genitals and then and by the end of the party, there's nothing left but the feet and the head. And it just, there's a strong suggestion that these people are into not only the occult, potentially satanic practices, potentially including cannibalism, and as these emails suggest, potentially pedophilic practices. And um, so researchers discovered code words. And where did I write down the code words? Hold on. Code words, I won't read them all because they're disgusting, but hot dog meaning boy, pizza meaning girl, cheese meaning little girl, pasta meaning little boy, sauce meaning orgy. So it was found out through the dark web researchers uh, that went into the dark web that in pedophile circles and websites, this is the coded language they use when dealing with children. Okay? Right. And what's really fascinating about it, guys, is I want to give you a piece of more current news, if I can figure out which tab it was in. Um, 
That's going to take a second to load. The constant <laughs> struggle. Yeah. The truth. First well, have problems. I'll have, to go, I'll have to go from memory. It was the um, owner of Dojo Pizza was arrested in April. His name is Lauren Kopp. Okay, here it loaded. Yep, Lauren Kopp. I got that right. And uh, seven girls ages 17 and under were found stored there. So they arrested him, uh, took out, the FBI came, took out uh, all his computers and stuff, have all this child porn on his computers, and evidently found seven girls under the age of 17 stored there. So there appears to be a pizza-related network because researchers then found out about Comet Pizza, or Comet Ping Pong, rather, which I guess we can get into in a, in a moment. But I just want to give you an example of these code words. Here's one from Sandler Foundation to John Podesta. Quote, do you think I'll, do you think I'll do better playing dominoes on cheese than on pizza? End quote weird right like who what that immediately red flag of why are these people talking in code that makes no sense yeah all right and then here's one from wikileaks 50 obama spent sixty five thousand dollars flying pizza and hot dogs from chicago for a private party at the white house now why given the white house's chefs and amazing kitchen and the the food available in washington dc would he need to fly sixty five thousand dollars worth of food in from Chicago. All right. We don't know what that is, but pizza and hot dogs, evidently he's a big fan and he will only get them from Chicago. All right. So WikiLeaks number 14 from Cheryl Mills to Hillary quote, I will be sacrificing a chicken in the backyard to Moloch. Okay. Well, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the code words there? That's weird. Um, they go on and on. So anyway, this all started uh, because of the WikiLeaks emails and the spirit cooking, and it just got everybody turned on to the idea of digging and finding the goods and finding the smoking gun. So when BBC says there's no investigation going on, I mean, okay, yeah, not by the legacy media, not by the you know mockingbird mainstream CIA media. Um, okay, so as researchers dug in, they discovered Comet Ping Pong, owned by Big Cheese LLC, who I guess the owner is James Elephantis, who used to be, quote-unquote, married to David Brock, which ties into Media Matters and George Soros. Um, and Besta Pizza and Comet Ping Pong are on the same block as another place called Politics and Prose Bookstore, allegedly owned by Hillary uh, Rotten Clinton, I like to call her. Uh, right. by the, by, sorry, allegedly owned by, did I say that? The speechwriter. It's getting late. I'm getting batty. Uh, allegedly owned by the speechwriter for one of the speechwriters for Hillary. Okay, so Best of Pizza. This is interesting. They had a logo. I wish we could do video here so your listeners could see this. They're going to have to go Google all this and check it out or watch some of these reality calls or SGT report videos. But Best of Pizza had a logo that was well known by the FBI as being a logo that is easily, it's like a square that continues on in on itself. And it's, um, well, it's, it's a pedal logo. It means it's a, a boy lover logo. And for anybody who thinks that's crazy, after all this broke, they have since changed their logo. Mm. So it doesn't, it's, it's similar, but it doesn't, the square doesn't continue in on itself. Because the, the logo that um, politics and uh, prose, the bookstore uses, did use when the story broke, was a heart within a heart. Again, if you look at the FBI, a heart, a heart within a heart and a hand within a hand. And again, if you look at, that's, that's um, pedophilia with little girls. 
that's not me saying that. That's the FBI saying, this is what you need to look for. This is what we look for as it relates to websites, logos, jewelry, coins. This is code for we deal in pedophilia. All right. Wow. So Comet Pizza, Comet Ping Pong, James Alephantis, his, uh, um, what was it called? Uh, sorry, Instagram account was, uh, his name was, I think, Jimmy Comet. And he had some very disturbing images that researchers found before he made it private or closed down his, his account altogether. Right. And one of the most disturbing images, because there's a bunch of them, and, and your listeners can go Google this, but the most disturbing one to me was this empty room. Imagine a freezer room in a restaurant, but quite a bit larger. Yeah. A cement-walled, cement-floored, cement-ceilinged room, evidently underground. I mean, where else would it be? And in the tags next to it, where people could comment, he wrote, kill, hashtag kill room. And somebody down below that wrote, hashtag, or wait a minute, I think somebody else wrote, hashtag kill room, I don't have it in front of me. And then he wrote, hashtag murder, or vice versa. But that's what appeared next to that picture, along with other comments. And it just calls to mind the stuff that may be going on behind the scenes in this global pedophilia ring where these people traffic in children, um, they deal in children, they buy and sell children, they have sex with children. In some cases, I believe they murder children. So the Politics and Prose bookstore, allegedly owned by that uh, Hillary speechwriter, this made my latest uh, video on uh, YouTube, uh, which I think from memory, I think I titled it, um, Pizzagate Just Got Darker Than Eyes Wide Shut. Right. Because for the most part, in Eyes Wide Shut, what we you know saw was adults dealing in black magic or sex magic rituals, Illuminati stuff. And there was some pedophilia uh, suggestions in that movie as well. There's a shop owner from where Tom Cruise got his costume, uh, and he seemed to be peddling out his daughter, his underage daughter. But she wasn't seven. You know, I'm not making excuses for it, she, but in the movie she appears to be 14 or 15. Um, but that was in the movie. But there was no hint of trafficking in children that are 5 and 6 and 3 and 4 and, and killing them, having sex with them, and then killing them. And that's where we're leaded here. That's where we've been uh, headed with these emails um, that are being discovered. Anyway, Politics and Prose Bookstore. Outside of the Politics and Prose Bookstore, there's a Google view. And on the sidewalk, just outside the front door, is a skull and bones. It's black. It's yeah. It's in the cement. Did you guys see that image? Yeah, I saw that. That was weird. And um, so it's strange because their website has the heart and the heart and the hand within the hand. And then when you walk in, the, the street view will show you there are stairs going downstairs with signs that are very luckily or unluckily for them placed in a way that essentially says sale children. Because yeah. the suggestion upon walking in would be, oh, the children's section is downstairs, and the sign right next to it, butted up to it, is sale books, but the sale and the children are right next to each other. Circumstantial, but just very weird. Um, right, and, and it just lines up with every... Uh, like I think you mentioned in that video, uh, and is mentioned in the article that you were talking about, there is no hard evidence, uh, it seems like, and no victims coming forward and it's you know if you're looking putting the pieces together it seems because the victims do not survive the crime uh 
But at, when you start lining all this up, especially with the Podesta emails and the the Podesta's art collection and yeah. uh, all the connections, it's uh, even without any victims coming forward or hard circumstances or hard evidence. It's impossible to ignore the circumstantial evidence because it's too perfectly lined up, just like that sale children sign collection that they have. It's just bizarre. No, you're 100% right. And I think that if we had an honest judicial system, if we had an honest FBI, if we had rule of law in this country, uh, anybody that brought uh, Jimmy Comet's Instagram account to the attention of the authorities would probably see an investigation happen pretty quickly. Um, but again, the Podestas, you know, there's this Breitbart uh, component. I don't have the, the email uh, or the, his tweet in front of me, but there's this right. whole Breitbart component now uh, that suggests that he knew about all this and he knew about the Podesta's um, cover-up and, and interest in and relation to child trafficking uh, and pedophilia. And he tweeted about it. He said, it's amazing to me that this isn't front and center news about Podesta's longtime cover-up of known child sex traffickers. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And there was others, too. And it wasn't long after that he was dead. Uh, and I'll remind you guys that Nancy Schaefer, um, who served in our uh, Congress, I believe at one point, or she was a state rep, uh, her and her husband were murdered a few years back. And it was, well, the official story is he lost his mind and shot himself and then killed her. They were a loving couple for years and years. She was a truth teller, wonderful woman who was blowing the whistle on CPS child trafficking and worse. And she'd been on the Alex Jones show and told the whole story. And then she ends up dead. So you blow the whistle on this stuff. I think if you have the goods, you end up dead. And all I'm doing here is sharing stuff that's already publicly known. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not releasing any bombshells here. I'm just telling you what the researchers have found uh, that suggest a uh, investigation is more than called for, you know, Jimmy Savile's cover up again for decades. Why? Because he was connected to, uh, Prince Charles, and was knighted by the Queen. He was connected. Got a BBC soundbite. I should just, I have these things all prepared to play for you guys. Uh, I should just <laughs> find it. Um, I'll, I'll play it for you right here. All uh, right, let's do it. You got, you got uh, Jimmy Savile, uh, his crimes being covered up. And in the, he's not a lone pedophile. This is a Channel 5 documentary from the UK. And in the documentary, they say this. Jimmy Savile, far from being a lone predator, seemingly played an active role in supplying children to a network of child abusers in London. A network of child abusers in London. Hmm. Friends with the prince. Knighted by the queen. Uh, Johnny Rotten blows the whistle. Nothing gets done. I mean, are we seeing a pattern here? I mean, how much more of a pattern of a global pedophilia ring involving the elite at the highest levels do we need to see? Before people take action, before the FBI takes action, before something is done. Well, presumably, wouldn't the FBI be uh, encouraged to not investigate? We've seen that they somehow have been encouraged to not investigate other recent uh, crimes that people have called for. Oh, sure. Well, look at 9-11. I mean, and that really gets to the crux of it, doesn't it? I mean, I remember when I was waking up and I was trying to wake up some friends and they'd say, okay, some of the things you're saying make sense, but if this was real, if there was any tangible reality here at all to the things you're saying some young hungry reporter at one of the at cnn would would break this story wide open (laughs) right do we not now see how corrupt the media is i mean the whole country sees it 
You know, and we see how corrupt the DNC is and the GOP. We saw the GOP steal the nomination, essentially, from Ron Paul. Bernie Sanders saw the DNC steal it from him this year. Everybody's waking up to this corruption. Uh, and so I guess one hope would be that, that Trump's not a pedophile and that he would appoint uh, somebody honorable. Uh, well, I don't even, I don't think he can appoint anybody. I think, I don't know what happens at the FBI, actually. He can appoint somebody to the DOJ, though. He can get rid of Loretta uh, Lynch. And maybe we can get some rule of law back in this country. Because I, I tell you what, that would be a very welcome thing. Right. Um, so, again, I mean, if you just look at the Podesta's interest in art, uh, John's brother, Tony, is known as the DC fixer. Very powerful guy. Very in, He's into very sick art. Um, children on a bench in front of tile in their underwear, all wearing red shoes. Right. The paintings he has. Um, and then there's this image I saw, uh, Tony and his guests at a party, all, all male guests in this photo, all wearing red shoes, the same red shoes. Very, very weird. And then you get into this whole Podesta brothers, Madeline McCann, McCain, I say McCain is what I is just, what comes out and then people always correct me. So Madeline McCain went missing in 2007, May 3rd, 2007 in Portugal, huge news, international news. Only later, after did all, only later now that all these emails have spilled out and people are saying, "Oh my God, Tony and John Podesta appear to be involved in pedof- pedophilia to at least some extent." Only now have we put two and two together and seen these computer-generated police sketches of two suspects sought in the disappearance of Madeline McCain that look exactly—I don't mean similar—I mean almost exactly like John and Tony Podesta. Right. And I did a video on this, and one of the articles I read to in my research that I quoted was that it was known after his death, apparently, always after their death are they named pedophiles, and then all this comes out. And then it always looks like it was just one person. So it was just Jimmy Savile. You know? It was just Clement Freud. So the uh, uncle, no, the nephew, I believe, of, of Sigmund Freud, Clement Freud, is a known pedophile, and he had a villa, million-dollar villa he was staying, uh, that he owned, less than a mile away from where Madeline disappeared. He befriended the McCains. And people keep, i got to try to say that right, the McCains. McCains. And he befriended the McCains during this investigation when they were, you know, the eye of the international media was on them, and he invited them for lunch or dinner. And they went, and Kate McCann said... Thank God for people like Clement Freud who kept us smiling. Well, little did she know that he was a pedophile. And after his death, two years later, all the news spilled out of what a horrible pedophile he was and all his accusers came forward and it's now known widely that he was a hardcore pedophile. Well, evidence from researchers suggests that John and Tony Podesta were borrowing his villa at the time of Madeline's disappearance, and they were in Portugal. I can't verify that, so I'm going to say allegedly. Right. Uh, what I will say is this. One of two things is going on here. Either that's true, and they were there, and they played a role in her disappearance, which is why we have those two photographs. Now, I just interviewed my friend Oli Damagard. He's a really great uh, false flag researcher, and he knows all about this Madeline disappearance. And he said, how could this be possible? They were never looking for two suspects. They were looking for one suspect. And I said, I know, I've thought about that. And how do you get two eyewitnesses in the dark 
to identify one person and end up with two sketches that look like John and Tony, two people that don't look anything like each other but are brothers. How does that happen? And so I've come to this conclusion. Either, either they were there and involved, or they weren't involved, but may have been there at, Clement's Freud, at Clement Freud's villa as reported, and powers that be within this ring, powers that be more powerful than them, than them released these images as a threat to them. Because, of course, nobody would have ever seen these images then and go, oh, that's John and Tony Podesta, the two great right. guys in politics in the United States. Nobody right. in a million years. Only now, because of these emails, are we putting these pieces of the puzzle together. And I would, I would posit this. They, it was highly unlikely that they played any role in Madeline's disappearance. But somebody, some power, some entity, some entity within this global pedal ring, put those images out there. Because again, they're, they're not even sketches by a police sketch artist. They're computer generated. Well, what does that mean? Computer generated from what? I think that it's a threat, a veiled threat or some sort of blackmail to keep those two in line. Maybe, I don't know, I'm speculating now, but that's, that's my thesis. Because that image looks too much like them to just be an accident. Oh, it's pretty much exact when you look at it. Yeah. Maybe when you squint a little bit, but it is... <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's there. Close. Yeah, it's very close. So, you know, we live in this world where there's, I mean, it, before Pizzagate, it was already awful. <laughs> and now we have this. And, you know, it's, it's a continuous fight to get people to wake up to it. Now, it, thankfully, in my uh, experience as of late, uh, you know, I've been awake for a number of years now and certainly tried to share uh, this information with, um, you know, uh, I like to call them muggles, but, you know, non-awake people to this sort of thing. And to my surprise, actually being able to present the Pizzagate information, I've gotten a lot less pushback than, uh, you know, say a 9-11 conspiracy conversation might get. Yeah. And and what the nail in the coffin is with uh, the conversations that I've had are, look how the mainstream is responding. Mm-hmm. You know, all I got to do is pull up the New York Times article or the Washington Post or, or any other number of articles where they say uh, the entire article is, like I said before, uh, you've heard of this Pizzagate, Pizzagate thing. It's fake. Also, don't listen to fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news. And, you know... It, it just seems like either the uh, mainstream media is getting lazy or desperate or whatever, but I, they're starting to tip their hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, they yeah. tip their hand. I mean, if you watched CNN at all, if you're awake at all, uh, if you disliked Hillary at all, if you watched CNN during the election, it was literally nonstop. It was, it was literally the Hillary Clinton campaign channel. I mean, it was pro-Hillary, pro-Hillary, anti-Trump, anti-Trump all day long. And it was generally two hours a day, maybe. It doesn't matter. You guys know. But people are working. Sure, sure. Well, and like I mentioned before, uh, during the elections, I was watching CNN when when all the numbers came in. That was the most entertaining thing I've ever seen on television. (laughs) I think we we did a a podcast right as it was happening. We did. It was wonderful. Now... just for me personally, what I like to talk a little bit about what this means for the future. Now, assuming that Pizzagate uh, is real and things pan out the way that the uh, investigators, uh, the you know, the independent investigators are, are finding. Um, I mean, are we kind of 
do, are we settling for the fact that just waking people up to this is is the the good that can can come out of it? I mean, again, otherwise we got to pick up our pitchforks and head over to their uh, uh, Portuguese villa and and figure things out from there, or over to Comet Ping Pong, which a lot of people are doing, by the way. Uh, there's some pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know if they're hidden cameras, but people out there picketing. There's a certain video there, guns that you showed me. Um, I mean, how do you see this moving forward as far as actions that can be taken by people who know what's going on? Well, look, the first thing that needs to happen is there needs to be public awareness that this exists. There needs to be an acknowledgement that pedophilia is, is not only real, it's endemic or systemic within the area of politics and power, particularly in Washington, D.C. Now, you know, when I mentioned the arrest of the uh, owner of Dojo Pizza. I was on a trail there and I, I didn't go far enough. I also should have mentioned uh, Roberta Pizza in New York City. Very disturbing in- images from Roberta Pizza in uh, Washington, D.C., including on their Instagram page uh, a poster, just like Comet Ping Pong had, posters advertising coming bands, and the posters would be little children that their skin's all burned off and they're dancing around flames on a pentagram. Uh, so they're skulls, but they're little children bodies of skull. I mean, Six, yeah. six, six stuff. Very satanic. And there appears to be this, this pizza thing is very, very important. I think we have hit on a network that needs to be revealed. And what it's proving to all of us is what Gans has been saying for a very long time. And I've been saying spiritual warfare is real. The entities that we are waging against are not just flesh and, bl- and flesh and blood. They're beyond this realm. They're in the unseen. Uh, and these people are enemies here on this earth, embrace that realm. They embrace those entities. They're, they're literally, I'm going to read a document here, and I do it reluctantly, and I do it with the caveat that this is allegedly a hacked document from one of these pizza places. I won't even name which one at this point. It doesn't matter. But allegedly, this is a hacked document, and I, after posting a video in which I read some of this, actually, John, uh, uh, Joe Biggs uh, read it, um, I read some of it, and I got an email from somebody whose name I will not reveal, who says, this is the original document gleaned from, and I have the name, but I will not read it. He asks me to name this person Anon. I have the original document gleaned from Anon, who was actively hacking the app they were using on Twitter. He went private as soon as he found a list of 110 names and said the names were a pretty big deal. But yes, I posted this doc many times on Gab and Gab only. He goes on to say, there are still many large picks in the WikiLeaks with large data packets that don't belong, and the cracking does continue. He's talking about digital stenography. That's the art of essentially putting images within an image. So they can put out an image publicly that is coded and locked, and only those that have the key can go in and see all the kitty porn that's inside those images. Uh, that's one example of what's going on here. So a lot of researchers, I take my hat off to them because they're really fighting for these children. They're fighting for the light of truth to be shown on this satanic pedo ring. And this document uh, that was allegedly hacked from one of these pizza message boards, one of the locked areas of the website of the message board was this. For newcomers, spelled how you would think these people would spell comers, by the way, last month's satisfied customers were raving about our quote-unquote pizza. And we know you will too. Repeat customers know the drill. For newcomers, again, that odd spelling, first run the program given to you by your special friend. 
that would be the person who initiated him here, initiated and gave the thumbs up, the person who recommended the newcomers as being able to be part of this circle. So first run the pro- program given to you by your special friend, and all instructions on how to enjoy this joyous hobby will be easily understandable. But please remember the penalties for breaking the rules, which are also included in the program. Very few have broken the rules, and needless to say, the penalties are harsh. All pricing is included in the app. The app will only run once, and the following requirements must be met. The app is to be run on your own personal computer that only you have access to. Your computer must be connected to the internet when run. The app must be run from your home. You must destroy the media on which you received the app. Remember the password that will activate the app, as there will be no icons on your computer. New members specials. This month, we have five fresh pizzas for your enjoyment. We also have four surviving pizzas from last month's session. All are on sale at an extremely low price, as they are in poor health and not expected to survive. So a requirement is that you finish eating your pizza after your session. (laughs) This month's month's special includes a 30% discount on severe torture. Each image below is available for $1,000 in fine print. Andrew also has some prints he would like to sell, so contact him for more info. They are true masterpieces. All right. Let's say that that document is fake. Let's say that somebody has trolled this investigation and that document is absolutely disingenuous. I hope it's true. I hope it's fake. Because what this document suggests is absolute horrors, including murder of children, going on within this pedo circle. And I will remind people that in one of the Wall Street Journal, I think it was a New York Times article, about the Podesta's interesting and quote-unquote brave taste in art, John Podesta and his wife built a vault below their home to display on all four walls very challenging video art. Guys, I don't know what's going on here, but where there's smoke, in my opinion, there's fire. And I am just, again, 33 kids, children, trying to attemptedly, attempted to be smuggled out of Haiti. This is just terrifying stuff. It's really, really, really sick, sad, horrific stuff. It's the gates of hell stuff. Um, it, it, it rises to the level of the movie Hostel, uh, where rich people would pay money to show up in these dungeons and torture and mutilate and murder people. I mean, I guess those movies aren't just hatched out of thin air. Right. You know, maybe there's more truth in this stuff than we ever, ever hoped. And maybe when movies like that are made, it's a message. It's a message. To, it's a message to them. It's a, it's a message to the elite. It's the elite talking to the elite. It's not even for us. I said recently that when uh, Bush Sr. gave his more than 200 public speeches about the New World Order coming into view, and when we succeed, and we will, he wasn't talking to us. He was talking to his puppet masters and the other elite, the people that run in these circles. And so the takeaway on this is, what do we do? We need to rec- recognize that spiritual warfare is real. And even if there's people listening to this that you know aren't Christian, haven't found Christ, are atheists, whatever, I'm speaking to you too. I love you. Because you're probably wired normally as Gan said earlier in the interview, you're not messed up. You're not wired like these people. These people believe in demonic entities and Satanism and all sorts of witchcraft and horrific practices that, in my opinion, include having sex with children 
sometimes game, gang rape, raping them until they die, or at least having sex with them and then murdering them. That's what I think is going on here. That's why we need to stay on. This is the biggest story. This is bigger than 9-11. 9-11 didn't speak to the overt Satanism. This does. Yeah. While you were giving us all the good info, you know, I was just doing some basic Google searches on some past articles and stories, and I'm sure somebody um, has gone through these, but I mean, there, there are a lot of pizza references in connection to pedophiles and, and child pornography and things like that. And um, now that that cat is out of the bag, I think we can go back and look at some of these uh, other scandals, the Franklin scandal and, and others, and mm-hmm. see, uh, see them through a new lens, so to speak, and a new understanding of what might be going on. And um, it's just alarming to find a couple of these stories. You know, there's a pizza delivery guy who was, you know, charged of, uh, um, you know, distributing child pornography back in 2007. It's there. There's definitely a common theme there. Well, I'll read one little sentence here, okay? Um, And this comes from an article that was published in 2012 by the Tampa Bay Times, uh, How Pedophile Trail Led to a Largo Man. And uh, a puppeteer in Florida who performed in community centers, schools, and churches and hosted kids-only pizza parties every Wednesday in his mobile home. Um, you know, what? he's... he's uh, Don't trust the puppeteer who has kids-only <laughs> pizza parties in his mobile home. <laughs> Did he dress up like a clown, too? I but I, yeah. yeah, I won't be sending my child to uh, that sort of uh, event there, but... You know, it's everywhere. But here, here's a question, and I know we're almost we're over time. But uh, just real briefly, there have been arrests. There have been occasions where, for example, uh, Jared from Subway, he was yeah. he was you know dropped for child pornography and stuff like that. Do you think there's scapegoats in the game, so to speak? Yeah, I do. I think. Well, I think what we're going to see here is we're going to see. Um, limited hangouts, right? And I'm not even saying that in, in, in terms of this DC pedo ring, uh, but like the dojo pizza guy. We're going to see limited hangouts because, look, if these if these pizza establishments, and, and I don't know that dojo pizza is anywhere near as, as big an establishment as Roberta Pizza in New York City, where uh, Hillary Clinton uh, has been and is said to enjoy the pizza very much, our special pizza. She just loves it. Um, I don't know what was, you know, who could know what's on his computers? Who could know if he's connected into this larger elite ring. But I would imagine that if you're a pedophile and you're trafficking in this stuff, you've got some connections with people who are, you know, it's that sort of six degrees of separation thing. And the FBI can get the goods. That's what I love about this document I just read. You know, so many people say, well, that document hasn't been uh, proven to be true. That, that document may well be a forgery. Okay, well, I don't know. It's, it came from Dodo Mobile at 1010 10 a.m., and the, the locked account was i.sli.mg, and hackers are said to have gotten this. Hackers have gotten a lot of other stuff. So why isn't the FBI digging? You know who could discover if this is a real document? The FBI. They have subpoena power. They could do a real investigation. We could find out real quickly if this document is, is legitimate. Because if what's going on behind closed doors is this dark, it involves people like John and Tony Podesta, people at the highest level of our government. John Podesta was the uh, chief of staff for Bill Clinton. He's a heartbeat away from the president. Yeah, yeah. If this is going on in our world, it needs to be stopped. It needs. Can you imagine right now, you guys, as we're having this conversation? I don't, I'm going to cry here. This is this makes me so angry. As we're having this conversation, there are kids right now 
in dungeons. There are kids right there, children right now, being sex trafficked. Yeah. Some of them aren't going to make it. Some of them are going to be murdered or sexed to death when they're gang gang raped. Yeah, yeah. You know, and to that point, there have been a few truthers who have come out and said the Pizzagate thing is a, I've heard false flag used, uh, not correctly in my opinion. Uh, They're trolls. Those guys are, I've known, I've been looking at those channels and they're trolls. There's Barry Sotero is one of them. And you know, some of them are absolute trolls. Yeah. I was pretty disappointed. Yeah. No, 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 no. The the, the minute you get say, don't look at that. It's a false flag that, okay. Which part? So say if you get something wrong about nine 11, you throw out the whole baby with the bathwater. So all nine 11 shouldn't be looked at. Because right. say you got something wrong, right? You yeah. know, well, well, yeah. And the way that works is, if you want to call something a false flag, you present evidence that shows it as a false flag. You don't say uh, that's a false flag because there is no evidence of right. that happening. Well, you know, right. they're they're reversing the false flag claim, which is just logically a fallacy. Right. And one thing that they're saying that is, I've wondered the same thing. And I try to be very careful when I talk and I try to say allegedly a lot. And I have not spoken about, uh, some of these people by name very much like the owner of Comet, um, ping pong. Um, I, now I, I didn't, I didn't put on his Instagram, a picture of him mostly nude covered in blood on the floor of his establishment with women's high heels on. I didn't do that. He did that. It's very weird. So, but I try to be very careful as it as it relates to these charges because I don't know what's going on. I mean, maybe this is some sort of um, maybe there's information here that is sort of a honeypot meant to you know get the truth or community community off on the you know on a tangent or in the wrong direction. But we're not the ones that created the computer generated sketch of Tony and John, people that look like Tony and John Podesta being sought for the disappearance of Madeline McCain. We didn't do that. You know, we're not the ones that put all this crap on Instagram, these horrible photos, including, you know, babies taped to tables and things like that. You know, we're not the ones that speak in this weird language, hot dog, pizza, cheese, pasta. We don't, that's not, so we don't have the right to look into this because God knows the mainstream media is not going to do it. So who's going to do it? Who, if there are kids in dungeons right now that need to be saved, who's going to do it? Who's going to do the research? Who's going to get this information out to the American people? Who's going to do the videos if it's not me, Gons, if it's not you, if it's not Reality Calls? Right. Who, if it's not a call for an uprising who does great work? Who's going to do the work? Because we can't count on the FBI who won't indict Hillary, who appears to be tied into all of this and is a big fan of uh, Roberta's Pizza in New York City and just loves their quote-unquote special pizza. Right. Yeah. It just, it makes me mad as hell because if it's not us, then who? This stuff is very pervasive. I've said all along that if uh, the ultimate judgment is only going to come from God, when he, when Jesus returns, when the, the wrath of God is poured upon this earth, um, that's when true justice is, is fulfilled, in my opinion. I don't know that we're going to see all that justice come to pass, um, at least in our legal system. Uh, I just think it's, it's such a huge thing, a huge network, that it is to take it down would literally be to collapse civilization because I think some of the highest people in civilization and society uh, are involved in this kind of thing. And it would uh, literally tear down large corporations. It would probably tear down the government to some extent. I mean, what do you think if, if it does go down, what do you think? And then what do you think ultimately? I mean, I guess Basil kind of asked you that question, but we'll kind of wrap it up here with the question of what do you hope to see in terms of justice, in terms of, and of course you said, spreading the word, getting people to 
you know, uh, getting people realizing what's going on. Uh, that mm-hmm. part of it, yes, absolutely. Um, but even something like nine eleven, I mean, plenty of people have woken up to that, but there's still nothing really that's changed in terms of any kind of official story. Do we just move away from, you know, uh, expecting, um, you know, the, the, the establishment to do anything and then what can we do, you know? Well, it's a tough one. You know, when you don't have rule of law, you don't really have a country. And I think that's some of the communication. There's some of the effort Trump was trying to share with the people. He's trying to say that that's why we need a sovereign nation with rule of law and borders, right? Because if you don't have laws, if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. Are we ever going to get rule of law to the extent that this pedophile, pedophile ring is, is exposed and brought to justice at the very highest levels? You're probably right. No. I, 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 we could pray that that happens. Um, I think the research will continue. The research has to continue. Um, and we can only try to expose these people just like we tried so hard to expose nine 11 world trade center seven, all of it. Um, but one thing that I think we all need to be aware of is that this quote unquote new world order that Bush spoke about so many times, it's his term, not mine. Um, what they want to bring to us is a normalization of abominations. And I'm going to give you a hardcore example of that, um, too, in fact. Um, a couple of years ago, the New York Times featured an op-ed from a pedophile, and it was the title of the article is, Pedophilia, a Disorder, Not a Crime. Right. So you see this move in the mainstream media to try to normalize abominations, right? So men dressed as women, or even if they just identify with women, as a woman can walk into a Target bathroom now, right? It's just all normal. Anything goes. Tom DeLay revealed in 2015 that the Department of Justice, he had gotten a secret memo, and powers that be within the Department of Justice were going to start moving on normalizing, or in his words, legalizing 12 perversions of which bestiality and pedophilia, in, in his exact words, sex with little boys, would be made legal. That's where these people want to take us. So why is Pizzagate important? Well, allegedly, Besta Pizza is owned by someone named Andrew Klein. Allegedly, the same Andrew Klein, who was appointed by Bill Clinton to be at the Department of Justice in an anti-child trafficking division, of the DOJ. Wow. Right. If that's right. not, you know, the, the fox watching the hen house, guarding the hen house, I, can't, I don't know what is. So <laughs> that's why Pizzagate's important. That's why exposing this stuff is important. Because if we don't wake up the world, they will continue to push this really satanic agenda on us, which includes bestiality and pedophilia as being completely normal. Yeah. And uh, I, I mentioned in the video that I made, um, with the addendum to uh, the connection to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, some of those same points that where it's headed, it's it's this yeah, it's this accepting of abominations. And uh, you know, I quoted a book, a fiction book, Atopia Chronicles. It's written by Matthew Mather, and uh, you know, it's it's a really good book in terms of um, the disturbing realities that of where our world is going, what it might look like in the next uh, thirty, forty, fifty years or something. And um, you know, it brings up that question about pedophilia and. Uh, there's two characters speaking to each other, and one character says, "Hey, this is disgusting. What are you What are you doing?" And basically, what was happening was, um, this guy was creating basically a digital realm where fully immersive at that point, uh, you know, all the senses, everything, um, 
you know, having your avatar within there, within the digital world and being able to carry out their pedophilic fantasies. And, you know, the guy kind of defends it and says, well, you know, it's part of the therapy process and all this stuff. And um, it's kind of funny when you, if you, if you do watch, watch that video, when I talk about that, I, I didn't really think of it before I was recording the, the vocal or the, the narrative. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, it could be. And then I kind of rationalized it in my head. I'm like, no, that's terrible. That's, that's enabling them to continue in their, in their sin and their abomination. There's no way that would be a good thing. Um, and so, you know, and, and some people have, uh, even messaged me saying, well, you know, according to the law, uh, you can twist it around and say that that sort of thing, a digital, uh, you know, copy or a digital form of a child, is not a real child. No one's really getting hurt. So it's not really child pornography under the law. I mean, that kind of, that kind of logic is out there. And so that's a whole nother problem that I think we're facing culturally uh that that you know there there's a large group of people who have um uh ha- who have that you know sort of leftist liberal leaning or whatever that seem to be open to accepting all that stuff and um this is and we we i think the christian community was one of the first people to say when the you know when gay marriage became legal that or warned at least that hey you know what's coming are these next are these other things you know like mm-hmm. pedophilia and i've already seen st- some of that out there uh, that, you know, it's, it's not a, you know, it's a preference. It's, you mentioned that, that article, we had mentioned that article as well on, uh, I think it was New York times or something. Um, but even, um, back in 2000, there's an article talking about, you know, uh, the Supreme court or not the Supreme court. Where am I looking at? Getting kind of late for us too, uh, but I'm sure you're, you're dying over there, Sean. But, um, you know, just basically saying that they're, they're thinking about legalizing digital, uh, digital forms of child pornography based on digital renderings, not real pictures. And so this is a real slippery slope and this is where reality and digital worlds mend together and the whole conversation of transhumanism comes into play with this whole thing because um the future of sex in general according to the transhumanist human plus people is uh terrifying if you read some of the things that they have said. So um yeah. well I'm watching uh, Westworld right now on HBO which is extremely well done and that it's all there. Have you, have you watched it? Basil's yeah, watch. I, he's been telling me to watch it, and, I, and I'm I've going. Been trying uh, to get him on the train. And here. I just, I just, who, who owns HBO? What, is, what is this HBO? I have no clue what that is. I think okay, it's, Grandpa. I think it's more, right? yeah, but you know what? Uh, they Game of Thrones is excellent too. I'm mean, sound like a real geek here, but that is an astoundingly well done uh, show. Um, I can't. I mean, each each episode plays out like a movie, and it's amazing. And then you find out their budgets are like seven to ten million dollars per episode. It's I know it's crazy. Static. So they actually get movie budgets. But um, Westworld is extremely compelling because it is bringing to life all of these issues you just raised right there, Gans. I mean, in the future, when they have these cyborgs, these robots that these, well, essentially sentient beings that don't know they're even robots that are controlled by human beings and live in this world is essentially a Disney world, a park. It's a park of sin, right? To the degree that when you go to the park as a guest and you're not one of the robots, you get to do anything you want. You can be the hero. You can be the bad guy. You can be the rapist. You can be the whatever you want to be. You live out your fantasies in Westworld and the robots can't hurt you. They can do, they can hurt each other. They can shoot each other. They cannot shoot you. They cannot harm you in Westworld. And that is really a, that's the utopian vision of the new world order is just essentially to have their way with us and dumb us all down. And I suppose if they can't dumb us all down to that extent and have their way with us, they'll just do away with us. And then they can have their own little Westworld. 
where they control the whole thing and be populated by their own transhumanist robots. I mean, I don't know, but Westworld is very interesting because it's all about the moral question of how do you behave in a park in a world like that where you can do anything you want. Right. You know, the narrative right now is powerful because there is a... um, the uh, there's a protagonist and an antagonist, and the protagonist is uh, well. There's several protagonists and antagonists. Is very good, but um, in one of the sub stories, these two close friends go, and one wants to do good and is and actually cares about one. So it's very interesting, and the uh, moral questions uh, of our future are being showcased. I think in that show, and so that's another reason for Gans to get a HBO. <laughs> So, yep. Thank you for joining that campaign with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe we should start a GoFundMe campaign for, <laughs> for God's 10 bucks a month or whatever it costs. That, 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 I don't know if you listen to this show much, but that is a running theme. We have about 13 different Kickstarters we're trying to do for uh, equally as important projects as getting guns hbo well sean i really appreciate you coming on the show here i know we're a little bit over time for you here so i'm going to let you go uh if if there's anything else you want to go out on now is the time no it's my absolute pleasure um really had a good time here uh, about two hours in it's almost two in the morning here and uh i loved every minute of it so thanks for having me on uh gans as you know always been a big fan of yours love your channel face like the sun uh and uh it was just really great to be on with you guys basil thank you uh i really appreciate being on and if guys uh, if you want if the audience is still with us here if they want real news 24 7 check us out at sgtreport.com we also have a, a site uh called well, i say we it's i have a site called the phaser.com uh that presents some more challenging sometimes material in terms of spirituality and the occult uh and then a aggregator site where you just go and click the links the news items all day it's wonderful self-updating it's called the libertymill.com so sgtreport.com the phaser.com and the libertymill.com and thanks for having me that that's great thanks buddy and uh we'll have you on again here we got to get some more updates all right i look forward to it thanks guys Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Uh, very, very important information and, and really some uh, some of the heaviest stuff that we've uh, dealt with on this show, uh, as well as I think just in sort of contemporary uh, history, uh, as far as the magnitude. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's just especially heavy for a lot of other reasons. Do you agree, Gons? Yeah, you know, it's dark. And uh, I, I think there's a reason why this topic is become so polarizing out there uh especially with the whole pizzagate thing which we talked about in the second half of the conversation but it really is sort of the um the bottom of the well in terms of deplorable things that humans can do and i think the just the amount of at least circumstantial evidence uh makes it hit a little harder than a lot of other uh things that we talk about which are you know perhaps more theoretical or at least uh I don't know. I'll stick with that. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's different because like Sean said in the interview, there are actual victims at this very moment who are probably crying for help. And and that's what's really troubling about this is that why isn't the authorities doing more? 
Sure. And I think the point is that came through in the episode is that it's now our duty to uh, bring this out into the light. That's always been our mission here at Canary Cry Radio. So please uh, don't be silenced by the mainstream media when it comes to this. Um, don't be afraid of uh, the fake news claims and things like that. I think there's enough with this story that, uh, like I said in the episode, um, it's it's uh, people are receptive to it. Yeah. And I think that uh, getting this out there making it known publicly and sharing it with uh, your friends, your family, the the people you have around you is, is a very important step in uh, doing what we can to help this situation. Now, with that being said, please go to iTunes and uh, rate and review this podcast. If you found this at all uh, valuable, it really helps again to get the word out. Uh, All the little algorithms and uh, iTunes robots will share this with uh, people who may be on the edge who may not have found Canary Cry Radio yet but this will help get this episode out there and uh, get bring it to the light because that's what we're called to do Amen uh, and that same that same uh, request goes for things like Stitcher and all your other podcatchers uh, as well as go to Facebook and share it share it out to your circle because uh, this is important enough to do so and i think uh, as well with the currency the currency uh, conversation that we had uh, these are both things that are contemporary uh, issues that are going as we speak that are, that will have a, an effect on our future all of our future if you're alive right now it's a possibility that we're going to be dealing with both of these things yeah. um, for decades to come yeah and they're tied together uh, I think in ways that we initially don't see on the surface, but you do a little digging, you start connecting the dots. And um, in some ways, the whole pedophilia thing is kind of an elephant in the room with the whole elite New World Order thing. And this topic has really come to the front here with the whole Pizzagate. Right. The point is, it's our job to get it out into the light there. And now with the mainstream media, who is, uh, it's a dying beast. And uh, the evidence is there. It just with the election and with everything it's not too hard for even the uh, the most brainwashed of citizen at this point to see that the mainstream media is uh, not what it's all cracked up to be so there you go folks thanks for listening to this episode of canary cry radio and make sure to tune in next time but until then think outside the cage <laughs>